All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Gangrel Retain podcast. Today, you've got Jay here with you doing a solo episode. Um, we're doing these from time to time and uh, would love your feedback. If you like them, let us know. Um, also, if you haven't rated the podcast on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your your podcasts, we'd be honored if you would do that. So um, if you could take a minute and, and leave us a rating and drop a comment in the rating, if you uh, if you feel so inclined, we, we'd really appreciate that. Um, a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to meet for the first time a guy named Greg Danes, who's the CEO of a company called ChurnRx. Uh, he's based in Utah. And you've probably seen Greg, I hope you've seen Greg on LinkedIn posting some of his data and um, some of the findings from the studies he's been doing and the research he's been doing around B2B customer churn and retention. And um you know, by the way, Greg is not paying us to do this. Uh, he he is really generating some amazing data and data-driven insights that I think are valuable enough for us to share uh, and for for each of us to take consideration of as we think about our own businesses. So, um, so really, really valuable content and and insights that that Greg is sharing. And I think it would be worth uh, your time and in the community's time to to sort of check these out. So, um, what Greg did was uh, he's he's published a, a study called the Ten Customer Churn Benchmarks for SaaS Leaders. And what it does is it actually, he's consolidated a ton of B2B churn data and correlated across a bunch of different factors and done some regression analysis on it to um, understand exactly what uh, is leading to the findings that that he's found and sort of give you, to, to help you think about the prescription for how to solve for some of those things. So I'm not going to cover all the benchmarks. There's a handful of them that I, um, I I literally printed them off on my printer here to talk to talk through. So if you're paper shuffling in the background, that's what it'll be. But um, there, there's 10 benchmarks, customer satisfaction, customer results, negative experiences, customer size, sales discounts, free trials, account upsell, account downsell, annual billing versus maybe quarterly or monthly billing and uh, setup fees. So what he's what, what Greg has done in all of these categories is correlated churn relative to the different uh, factors in all these different areas. Um, what I love about the research is that it uncovers unconventional wisdom things that are are actually uh, new and, and go against some of the long-held beliefs that many of us uh, and many of the executives and SaaS companies that, that we interact with hold. And I think that's really valuable because um, data is truly the, uh, the way to to win. If you have real insights on um, what's actually happening in the business and how data correlates with, with certain factors and certain phenomena in terms of customer retention, then I think you have a better chance of, of putting strategies in place to, to mitigate it. So, all right, all that being said, I'm going to go through a couple of them here and, um, and talk about them for a few minutes. And I would encourage you to check out the study for yourself and, and, and uh, let us know which ones stick out to you. But the first, the first, um, benchmark that that's in this report actually is about customer satisfaction. Um, and the way this is outlined is that it says data consistently shows that there's no statistical correlation between customer reported satisfaction and customer lifespan. So the way that 
Greg and his team are measuring uh, the effectiveness or, or the, the way that they're measuring churn is really on a half-life basis. So how long does it take for half the customers in a certain cohort to churn uh, if you compared them together? And so um, in this customer satisfaction benchmark, Greg uses NPS. Okay. And basically what he's showing, and you can go, when you look at this, you can, you can see it visually, but he's showing a visual representation that a lifetime, that the lifetime value of a customer is virtually identical, whether they gave you a detractor rating, a passive rating or a promoter rating from an NPS standpoint. Okay. So let that sink in for a second. NPS We've all, you know, been taught to use it. Many VC firms, private equity firms, not only encourage it, but they sort of require their companies to report on NPS. But the reality is that NPS has been conflated in many cases with a churn or retention predictor. And that's because it's a it's a piece of data. It's an it's a piece of insight that we have about a customer. The customer reported it. So it must be valid and valuable for us to use for our forecasting and customer health scoring. But what Greg's data is showing is that no matter whether a customer is is passive or a uh, a promoter or a detractor, they they're they're the amount of time on average that those customers are remain customers is, is virtually unchanged. Now, the really interesting insight that was uncovered here is actually a different segment of these customers that think about the customers who don't respond to your NPS surveys. Those customers in this study were actually shown to retain only half as long as the customers who did respond. So what does that tell us? It tells us that the customers that aren't talking to you, that aren't responding to your surveys, those are the ones you actually need to be worried about. Okay. The, the ones who are res responding are doing so from a good place. Their intent is to help you get better, even if they're giving you a zero or a one score to the MPS question. They're usually telling you that in an effort to help you get better to help them get better. So um, there's there's virtually no no difference in retention otherwise. Um, super interesting, uh, super interesting uh, insight here. I've always believed that the real value of NPS is in getting, it's a very simple survey, right? So if you do it the right way, then you're going to get a lot of feedback and comments back from the customer. NPS is very simple, right? How likely are you to, to rate or to recommend a product or service to a colleague or a friend, and then a comment box to leave additional information if you choose. That's the way that NPS was designed. A very simple uh, question. The insights you get back from that are really, really helpful, uh, but you have to go read the comments. Okay. The comments are where the gold is in customer feedback. So you treat every single one like it's an individual customer conversation and then create your, your findings and your, your analysis based on that. So um, anyway, really interesting finding. The, the, the big takeaway there is Go query your customers who have not responded to a survey. Okay, that that's going to be uh, probably the the place to go find your at risk customers. All right, I beat that one to death. Um, number two, customer results. By far, the most predictive factor for long term customer retention is whether the customer has achieved measurable results. Okay, so this is like the holy grail of customer success, not the ability to measure renewals. It's not the ability to measure a customer health score or adoption. It's actually the ability to measure the customer's 
results, right? The customer's, um, uh, the, the impact that your product has had on the customer's business. Um, now, what Greg and team found is that to take it a step further, it's not only whether the customer got good results from your product, it's, it's also a function of whether you're trying to measure those and actually having a conversation about results with your customer on a on some frequent basis. Okay. So um, the study that you'll download shows, you know, that customers who get superior results with the product have an average lifetime value of 116 months. Those who have a minimal result with your product have a half-life of 29 months. So still not bad, right? I mean, this is still a, a, a 60 month or five year customer, even if they're getting minimal results. Now, where it really drops off is when companies are not measuring results. They're not doing anything from a customer success standpoint to try to um, extrapolate the value and the results that the customer is getting. And so the half-life on that is only 14 months. So you can see there's a pretty significant drop-off between those companies who who measure customer results, who have conversations about them, and those who don't. So another interesting finding, the results don't have to be superior for you to drive retention just by having that uh, conversation with your customer. All right. Um, negative experiences. So it's interesting, you know, a lot of customer teams put together health scores and they include all kinds of factors uh, from, you know, the number of support cases that were submitted in a period to uh, the CSM sentiment to the adoption as the data defines it in, in our products. But um, what, what Greg's research really focused on in this particular item, the neg negative experiences is that the 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 customers who su submit the most support tickets are not the customers that you need to worry about churning um the data shows us that the half-life on customers who submit tickets period is 90 months okay versus those who don't is one-sixth of that at 15 months so again it's very similar to the mps uh, and feedback survey uh phenomenon where if customers aren't engaging with you in the support channel, that's a bigger red flag than if they are in they even if they have a bunch of cases that they're constantly submitting to you. So that's actually good news. It's something we can see. It's something we can touch. If customers aren't engaging with support, how could you go get them reacquainted with support? Make sure that they know how to contact support. Uh, so really, really interesting finding there. Um, I also think there's another element of, of the customer support piece of customer success, which is if customers have a lot of open tickets or any open tickets for that matter that are open for a long time without any kind of resolution or concrete feedback, I think that's also another source of dissatisfaction that we all need to be on the lookout for. Um, all these things are, have very real impact on our relationships and the perception of the brand and, and of how we engage with and support our customers. And so um, anyway, negative experiences, interesting finding there go worry about the customers that aren't contacting your support channel. Those are the ones that are at the highest risk. All right. Um, account downsell. So many people assume that when a customer is trying to decrease their spending with you, that they are more likely to cancel. Okay. But what Greg's data has found is that that's not true at all. Um, the, the half-life of a customer that has ever 
reduced their spend or downsold with you is 24 months, meaning that customer is probably going to be a you know, on average of 48 year lifetime, or I'm sorry, a 48 month lifetime value. 48 years would be great, but I'm sure all of us will be doing other things in 48 years. So anybody who's ever done a downsell, any customer who's ever done a downsell is actually twice as likely to retain as someone who has never done a downsell or an upsell. So that means, you know, customers who are looking to, um, reduce their spin with you are trying to find a way to stay with you. They're trying to find a way to make the value and their outlay of value, which is their payments to you match. And so um, don't be afraid of those account down sales. It may hurt your ARR in the short run. It certainly will. Any ARR that goes backwards is, is obviously not great. And that is churn. It's not customer churn. It's just down sell churn. But in the long run, you will retain those customers longer. So that's downsell. Um, and then the, the last one that I'll hit here, and again, encourage you to go read the whole, the whole study and um, engage with Greg and his team on LinkedIn around this stuff, is annual billing. So offering customers the option to pay yearly rather than monthly is a strong indicator of their loyalty and longevity. Um, I think it's this is almost pretty obvious when you when you, when you look at it on the surface, but you know monthly customers versus yearly customers. I mean the the difference here in retention is 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 wild. Uh, the half life for an annual subscriber is about ninety months, whereas the half life for a monthly subscriber is only fourteen months. So that's that's one sixth again of of the uh, of the retention. Now, a lot of products aren't set up for annual billing, especially if it's a uh, sort of a lower end, more of a consumer grade pay with credit card type of offering. But you'll see more and more that even products that are sold on a monthly basis, maybe through an online or e-commerce type of experience, also have an annual subscription option. I think one of the, actually, we we were in consulting before, Jeff and I were in consulting before we joined Higher Logic um, almost three years ago now. And we did a project once with a company whose product was sold almost exclusively on a monthly recurring revenue basis, meaning customers paid every month, even if they were large telecoms or large uh, utilities, they only paid on a monthly basis. Now, that's sort of a pain for them, too, because as an enterprise, you don't really buy software that way. You typically buy it on an annualized basis. So we helped them implement a an, an account upgrade strategy, which in fact, reduced the ARR in the short term, but drove the uh, revenue retention through the roof uh, when we did that. And that campaign was designed to target the top tier of customers who we knew were going to be likely candidates to migrate and flip to um, an annual agreement from a monthly agreement. If you don't have upsell opportunities within your product, in your, your go-to-market structure for your company, I would argue that converting customers from monthly or quarterly billing to annual billing billing is a great uh is a great commercial program to run to drive retention and to to generate more value out of your existing customers by the same token if you do sell annual agreements or annual plans that with annual payments then you can also get additional 
retention lift out of driving multi-year agreements. So moving from one year to three years, for example, or even one year to two years, that reduces the load of work on your team. You don't have to have that renewal discussion the following year or during the interterm uh, periods of, of that renewal. And, um, and it will automatically generate lift in your gross retention. So that's something right now I would encourage everyone to do, even if you have to take a step back on, on the ARR. If you sell to tech companies, for example, everybody is looking to reduce their tech, tech stack spend. Uh, if they are, maybe you do an offset there and you trade them for a longer term contract. Um, and it's a win-win. So um, something to consider there, but yeah, annual billing, that, that's a big indicator of, of retention, which makes total all the sense in the world, right? Because you can't really just cancel at any time. So um, we're going to have Greg on the podcast in a couple of weeks. Really excited to dive in with him more deeply. Uh, we had a great conversation when we met a few weeks ago. He's a lot of fun to talk to. Um, we, get, we get fired up about the same sort of things. So I'm excited to bring that, that podcast to you all. Um, in the meantime, go check out the report again it's churnrx.com uh greg good friend of of the community here and really excited about the data that he's bringing to bear to help us better understand where we have opportunity to to manage our churn and and really address the root cause underlying issues and not just surface symptoms of of the churn that we're experiencing as a company so i hope you'll go check that out again please do go rate the podcast um we appreciate you listening we appreciate you being part of this community um and we're humbled every day that we just get to continue to keep doing this so um with that i'll wrap it up and we'll talk to you soon Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Um, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one -on -one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, be on the lookout also for live events, both in person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon.